Bedrosian throws to Sandberg, and the pitch is grounded to second base. Thompson has it, throws to first. It's over. 27 years of waiting have come to an end. The Giants have won the pennant. Brad, before the week started, I predicted that the Giants would go 4-2. and two. I took a look at the schedule. They had they had the two against the Rockies. Yeah. And then they had four against the Diamondbacks. And so I thought, okay, the Rockies are a good team. They're they're just they're just as good as the Giants are. So they'll 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 maybe split that series and then I think they'll take three out of four out of the Diamondbacks because the Diamondbacks are, are not great. And that's exactly what happened. <laughs> so I feel like and I now need to make these predictions uh, every week so that uh, so that so that I can push them over I, over the top. I think you need to get bolder with your predictions too. Mm. If you want to push this team into the playoffs, <laughs> I think you got, and and you know how close this team was to six and zero this week too. Yeah, I mean those those two games that they lost this week, the Wednesday game uh, against the Rockies, they had a six three lead in the seventh inning, um, blew that one with the bullpen. Again, it's Colorado. <laughs> You're going to lose a game late, and you're going to lose it by giving up six runs in an inning. It's just going to happen. Yeah. Um, then that Friday night game, down by one, bases loaded in the bottom of the eighth with nobody out. Dickerson <laughs> fly ball to right. Dubon. Oh, my God. Not watching the runner in front of him. Takes off. I still think, after watching the replay multiple times and torturing myself with it, I still think that um, uh, third base uh, Duggar could have... Was it Duggar or Slater at third? I don't remember. I'd have to look back. But anyways, they had taken off just a little bit, but when the shortstop took the throw and turned around and tagged Dubon and rolled on the ground while he was doing it, still think he probably could have scored. Could have mm. chanced it and yeah. taken off because... Well, he, But um, he's probably thinking like, oh man, I don't want to make two mistakes <laughs> yeah. on one play. Because now all of a sudden you've got two outs. You went from yeah. no outs to two outs and, and, you know, yeah, like you yeah, you're right. Stay alive while you're on third base. So glad I'm not coaching third and didn't have to make that decision. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. All right, well, we'll talk about that in, in, a, in a second. Uh, but first... Want to check in? I know you posted on our Instagram feed about, you know, you, you needed some help trying to figure out what to drink. Was it going to be beer? Was it going to be whiskey? So what did you finally choose? Well, <clears throat> I, I, I went ahead with bourbon tonight. And I think this weekend, the Labor Day weekend, made that decision for me. Mm. Um, uh, we talked about what we did this Labor Day. Uh, you know, took the family up to Tahoe. We're only about an hour away from North Tahoe um, from where we live. And so we went up there this weekend, hung out at the beach. Um, smoke was in the Tahoe Basin all weekend. I had quite a few beers uh, by the beach and some, some locale ones, some four percenters. But um, then, you know, hit the old scale this morning and thought, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to switch over to bourbon this week, <laughs> just solely bourbon. And so I went with the old Forester. It's a bottle I just picked up last week, sent you a picture of it last week oh, yeah. and uh, excited you a little bit. And I've heard a lot of good stuff. I've always heard that you need uh, any bottle of old Forester in your cabinet at all times. And I see why, I mean, this is, it was, I don't know, 24 bucks for old Forester 86 mm -hmm. proof. And, uh, it's a smooth, smooth drinker. I really enjoy it. And I highly recommend. 
So I was telling you about this. Um, it's a ginger infused uh, bourbon that I ordered from uh, from oh. Flaviar. Oh, that's right. You did show me that picture, and I I got scared for you. <laughs> <laughs> now, I'm trying to figure out what it what the uh, what it's called. Okay, so I think I have it here. Is it here? No. So, anyways, I, I forget what the bl- the brand is called, but I don't even know what I really expected because ginger, like you think of ginger, and I'm you know I was kind of wondering. Okay, the 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 brand is called Virgil Cane K I K A I N E. Okay, yeah. I and so you think what well, you think of what ginger is? Ginger's got like a little bit of spice to it. It's got sure. you know just to, it, it hits you right. And so I was like, oh, well, what does that mean when it comes to bourbon? Because you know. Bourbon has a sort of a heat to it as well. And so it's actually a little bit sweet, which I was surprised. I was actually pretty surprised. And it has a heavy tang to it. So it's like you got to get a little bit of a tangy aftertaste. Oh, nice. It is good. It is so good to the point of where I'm like, okay, can you add like sugar to bourbon? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I... I mean, if you make if you make yourself an old fashioned, sure. But I, I mean, but. in the dis- distillery process, <laughs> oh, yeah. no. it almost is too sweet to be true. Is what it I don't is. think you're allowed to. <laughs> so, I, you know, it, it is super interesting. Like, if you like the, you know, you think about your flavor palette, and you think about like, oh, this is something that I've sort of never tasted before. This fits that bill for me, and and I dig it. So. Um, but I almost feel like I need to pull back because I like it so much that I've been <laughs> I've been like drinking it a little bit. I was like, oh, okay, I need to well, pull it, back. We need to save this. And is part of the problem a little bit of a problem? I shouldn't say it's a problem, but with with Flavia, Flavia, right? Flaviar, Fla- Flaviar, that you get a bottle like this, you really like it, then you can't buy it locally. Does that happen? That is definitely part of the thing. <laughs> so you know, you, you you can go back to Flaviar and do it, but. Um, yeah, like I uh, like that. Uh, you know, I've actually the local uh, Bevmo and the local uh, Total Wines. They have a really good selection. So there are some brands out there that where you're like, oh wow, you know, I, I would have never expected that. So in the you know in where where I live, very good selection. But yeah, something like this, I don't imagine though. You know, maybe if I went and searched for it, maybe I, I would find it. But I just, I just, it just kind of hit me. You know, and I was like, oh, I have to have that just because I have to try it. That, <laughs> it that's does. what happens when you get a little bit older. You're like, as you know, when you're in your 20s and you know that you just have just a little bit of money, you're like, oh, I would love that. Oh, but nope, we have to make rent and my car payment. And But now you're older. You're like, <laughs> oh, I kind of like that. Oh, yeah. Well, well I want to just get it. Well, that, you know, and my wife says that, too. She says we're, we're older now and, you know, we are too old to the point to drink bad wine. <laughs> so sometimes she'll open a bottle that she got, you know, I don't know, seven bucks from Costco or something. This looked interesting. She'll open it. We'll each take a sip and she goes, nope, and dumps it, <laughs> but leaves the bottle in there. I'm, well, I'll drink it. I'm not a wine guy. So it tastes like wine to me. I don't know mm-hmm. the difference, but she always says, yeah, we're, we're, we're too old now to, to drink bad wine. I guess we're at that, at that age now. I don't know. <laughs> All right, so I wanted to make a mention of a podcast that uh, I've connected with recently. The podcast is called Around the Diamond with Jake and Thomas, 
And I got synced up with these guys on a service where um, lots of podcasters sort of live. And, you know, if you want to make some collaborations or connections, you kind of go to this thing. And, and so I, 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 I got connected with these guys and um, just wanted to give them a little bit of a shout out. So according to the description, they are all things baseball. So we focus on the Giants, but they focus on the league at large. They got weekly power rankings, predictions, and reactions to all the latest MLB news. And you can find them, you know, wherever you listen to podcasts, just like us. If you, you know, if you are looking for us, you just search our name, Thompson, number two, and then Clark. And with these guys, just search around the diamond with Jake and Thomas. And you can uh, you can find them. And also, they wanted me to let our listeners know that they are on Instagram at ATD for Around the Diamond. And then spell out with Jake, Andy, Thomas, T-H-O-M-A-S. So give those guys a look. Um, you know, this this podcast universe uh, is pretty, you know, it, uh, you see lots and lots and lots of podcasts out there. And there are some who are, you know, some big, big, big podcasts. Joe Rogan and Bill Simmons and all these guys who are just like celebrities who do podcasts. But on the, like the diehard hustle podcast side, like us, like we are starting out, we're very small. There's lots of us who are out there trying to to make their name and stuff. So I like to support those guys, um, you know, just folks who are just like us, who are just hustling and doing it for fun and for passion and for friendship and all that stuff. So oh, yeah. and check each of us. Oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, check out Around the Diamond with Jake and Thomas. Yeah. And each of us have our niche, which is kind of cool. So if you really like baseball, like Garrett said, I mean, there's, you know, there's something for everybody. There's giants, there's diamondbacks. I mean, you can find it all on these guys, you know, uh, their cover picture, they've got a Red Sox hat. One of them has a Red Sox hat. One of them has a a Cubbies hat. So, you know, they're diehards, you know, they're hardcore. Uh, You don't find many Cubs and Red Sox fans that are fringe baseball fans. So these guys bring it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So uh, one other thing before we kind of get into the the week that was, I wanted to mention uh, we get we had the masks that uh, that we were giving away. We gave away one on Twitter, and then we gave away one in our uh, Facebook group. So uh, I don't know if I mentioned the winner on Twitter uh, last week, but the uh, you can plug your ears on this one, Brad. The the (laughs) at handle is Garoppolo's girl. For Jimmy G, as we head into football season this weekend, and uh, she she won the one on Twitter, and so I sent those out uh, late last week. And then on our Facebook page is someone who I've known from a social media capacity because um, she is related to uh, a friend for a, one of my buddies, uh, Randy. He coached a, a guy by the name of. Nick Twitchell, really good basketball player, and Twitch, Twitch, as we know him, kind of became friendly with our group, even though he's, you know, he's he's a good amount of years younger than us, but play pickup hoops with Twitch and stuff. Twitch is a good guy, and Sandra, uh, related to to the is I think I think Sandra is uh, his mother, so she got uh, a mask, and uh, so we gave out two masks. So if you are into Facebook, now I get it, not everyone's into Facebook. But the Facebook group that we are in is kind of the thing that I think is going to be uh, one of the cooler places for us because, you know, I have a community background. Like I was working with online communities all the way back to like 1999, 2000. So that is like my, it's it's really 
what I love about the internet is online community, user-generated content. And so I kind of take all of those learnings. I don't really work in community as I did anymore, but I love creating Facebook groups. So we're still pretty small. I think we're, we're still less than 100 likes, uh, 100 people in that group. But every day there's stuff going on and it's really, I think, uh, the perfect sweet spot for Facebook because a lot of people don't like Facebook because of what their relatives post and they don't want to go there and read stuff. Like I get that. I totally get that. But if you really go into groups and you use Facebooks for the groups, your newsfeed is less that buddy from high school who you don't even really want to be connected with anymore. And it is way more what's happening in these interest groups that you're a part of. So I would suggest if you're on Facebook, definitely join some groups. But this this group is going to be cool. No trolls. You know, it's all positive. It's all giants. It's all fun. And we're going to do more giveaways and stuff like that in the group. So just my little side, you know, pitch to to join the group. Definitely join it. You can just find us. Uh, it's at uh, in Facebook. Just type in Thompson in the number two and Clark and then slash a giants podcast. We have a page which you can follow if you want, but we also have the group, which is uh, just join it and I will approve you and you'll be in and we'll be talking baseball. So stuff daily on there too, which is nice. Um, I, I belong to, uh, like I said, I don't like Facebook personally. I'm, I'm one of those. I'm on Facebook for the groups. I'm in like a, a cord cutters group where they talk about, um, streaming services. Hell yeah. Yeah. I'm in a beer group. I'm in a Frank Sinatra group. I mean, I'm in, I'm in all the stuff I like. I, I'm, you know, you can tailor Facebook to what you like instead of just you know, having all these people on there that are telling you their political views and, and whatnot. And I don't want any of that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I want to talk about beer. I want to talk about Frank. I want to talk about yeah. Giants baseball. Exactly. That's what I want to talk about. So, so that's the cool thing about it. And, 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 and our page has stuff posted daily. I mean, fun stuff, awesome old pictures. I mean, just cool stuff daily. So yeah, love it. All right. So let's go back to the, the week. The, four, the Giants went four and two. And, you know, we were, were recording this before Tuesday night's game, the first against the Mariners. And as of right now, the Giants are sitting at the number eight spot in, in the playoffs. So if season ended today, they'd be playing the Dodgers in a two out of three game series uh, as a wild card. Still a good number of games left in the season. So this is not a, a done deal for them. But if we remember to when they were eight and sixteen, and we were calling for the heads of uh, Trevor Gott and Gabe Kapler and Wilmer Flores, uh, like this seems like a completely different team to get to get to where they are now. I think they've gone something like thirteen and five or something like that in in their last eighteen games. To get to where they are now, it's really been fun baseball. Well, and. It- the the most fun about it too is you know you and I and most baseball fans in general don't like to watch sloppy baseball. Um, so the gaff we were talking about earlier with Dubon at second base last night, those are, are have now become few and far between. Um, the first part of the season that was three times a game. I mean, uh, a base running gaff here, uh, you know, a boot me, kick me ball here. Uh, I mean, just all kinds of stuff just going on, um, box and, and, and just crazy stuff that you're sitting here going, man, this is not clean giants championship baseball. We used to see back in the day. Um, so, so now with the cleaner brand of baseball, 
and the middle of the lineup just mashing the ball. It's a very fun team to watch. And I know you've probably seen this on Twitter a few times where, you know, the, the Giants are down four runs and, and you look on Twitter and people go, I used to be, you know, when we were down four runs in the sixth inning, I used to just think this game's over, but now it's exciting yeah. because you know, this team could come back. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. 100%. It's almost like when you see that, like, 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 you know, when you see that on Twitter and, and they're down early, it's almost like, okay, because baseball is a lot different than, than it used to be. Like when we were younger, if a team is up four Oh games over, like, you know, you, you, you have, um, you know, you have a bullpen coming in and, and the hitting is not as, as crazy as it is today. Like back in the day, some of those games, you know, with some of the anemic offenses the Giants had, you were just like, ah, game over. We'll, we'll yeah. get them tomorrow. <laughs> but now <laughs> yeah. with this team, you're like, okay, like, you know, they, they, they need to warm up a little bit here. And, you know, hopefully they're such a patient hitting team. And that's also something that we're not used to. And, you know, some of this is sort of the analytics and the coaching of, you know, let's make sure we swing at balls. We can actually drive rather than just balls that we enjoy swinging at. Like uh, I, I was, who was I uh, reading? I'm, I'm trying to think of who it was. Uh, it may have been, it was, I don't know if it was Solano, but somebody was basically saying that when it came to their sort of men, their mentality of coming up, to, to, to the bat and what they want to do and sort of what they want to swing at. They talked about talking to Brandon Belt because, you know, as much crap as uh, Brandon Belt gets from the Giants fan base, <laughs> he does have a really good eye and you're, he's going to strike out a lot because, you know, he, he's, he's got a swing that uh, as a left-hander, you know, he, he's, he's going to be a really good low ball hitter, but you kind of put it, you know, above the, the belt and, and, and a little bit inside and he's not going to really hit that pitch well, but he also has a really good eye in that you you don't really see him getting dominated by pitches outside of the strike zone. He's he's going to miss a few, you know, he's going to swing through a few uh, really good fastballs because it's just the kind of hitter he is, but he also has a really good approach coming up to the plate and it seems like now that the way that the team the, their whole their whole sort of attitude towards hitting it seems like a lot of the guys lean that way which is kind of cool to see because that's not really what the giants have been like the giants have been essentially like just different versions of of, of Pablo Sandoval swinging at you know <laughs> at pitches all over the place and that was kind of what also made them good though like you think of someone like Andres Torres you know b good bad ball hitters they, they, they were scrappy and they were underdogs and they were aggressive and that's what you liked about them. But this team is a little different and it's kind of fun to see because I was always the type of person who enjoyed, um, even as a player, you know, not, not that I played in college or anything, but, you know, I played until my late 20s in semi-pro and city, city league ball. And as I got older, you sort of learn the strike zone and you learn pitchers and you learn how to study people and you learn, okay, I'm not swinging here in this count until I get this pitch. And if I do get it, it doesn't matter. I'm swinging. But if I don't get it, I'm laying off because I trust that, you know, I, I that, that I, the pitcher is going to come in. So just that, that kind of mentality, I really love watching that style of hitting. Well, I, I think you hit that on the head too. And, and Amy G had a nice interview with Belt after uh, Sunday's game. And he mentioned too, that the coaches, the hitting coaches are, are, preparing them beforehand and not, not inundating them with 
information, but giving them what they need for that at bat. Um, and, and he said that that's allowing them to go up there with an approach um, and not uh and I don't know what he was getting at here, but he said, and not feeling the consequence of not, you know, of not, of not performing in that at bat, not getting the result that you wanted, but just going up there and trusting the approach mm-hmm. and following that approach. And it's been successful. Um, so again, I don't know if he was taking a knock at other hitting coaches and whatnot from his past. I can't imagine that was the case. Uh, but but of all the people, I mean, we keep going to back to belt because when you look at the numbers of all the people, I mean, the guy's hitting three thirty. Yeah. When was the last time we saw Belt hitting three thirty that wasn't in the first five games of the season? Um, granted, he's only had ninety seven at bats. He's much less than everybody else because of the injury at the beginning of the season. But three thirty with seven bombs in this shortened season is amazing. Yeah. So I I looked at his splits. Because I was, I always felt like he was either a good starter or a good finisher. Like he, he's, he's a streaky guy. Like he, he, he catches fire and he's on fire for a week, and then it's like Clayton Kershaw's pitching every game against him, and he's like <laughs> right. can't hit anything, right? <laughs> and so what, I, what I looked at, I wanted to look specifically at his splits when it came to a, a normal baseball season. What months does he normally heat up? And in May. And in August and September, October, he he's pretty decent too. But those are his best months. It's actually the beginning of the season, and then August is kind of his best his best time of the of the year, which is that he hits for average and he hits for power in May and August. And the other months, for whatever reason he doesn't really hit for either. So those two months, like when you get like the 2016 belt, he made, remember he made the all-star team that year. Mm-hmm. For whatever reason, those are the months that he performs the best. And so I was wondering, and I don't know what you think about this, but this 60-game season is almost perfect for someone like him if you catch him on the right side of it. Because it could be absolutely terrible if you catch him on the wrong side of it. But for to me... This is like his version of normal August, where he hits 281 uh, and with a, with a 500 slugging percentage in August. I feel like this season is sort of capsulated for him, and we're getting the August version of Brandon <laughs> Belt, which is awesome. Like, like, yeah, like they just dropped in the season. They're like, here's. Here's the hot hitting Brandon Belt mm-hmm. from the beginning of the season. You get him. Uh, I mean, that, that is funny to think. But you know, a lot of these guys. He's from Texas. Yep. He likes the heat. A lot of these guys like the heat. Um, there was something I had read years ago. Man, I, I don't even. It had to be more than ten years ago. That um, the players, a lot of the players from uh, you know the the Caribbean area, the, the um, South American countries. Um, they perform better in the warmer months um, because they're not so used to growing up playing in colder weather. Um, so a lot of those guys you saw heat up as soon as the weather started to heat up. I know m- me personally, I can't 
I can't hit when it's cold. I can't do much when it's cold. <laughs> um, so, so give me July, give me August, give me a hundred degrees, give me 90 degrees and I'll go out there and swing the bat. No problem. I'm loose. I'm, you know, I'm ready to go. So, you know, then that could be, that could be part of it with belt. He grew up in that hotter weather and that's just more of his comfort zone. And, and Sunday, I mean, Sunday was what a hundred degrees in San Francisco, I believe. Something yeah, yeah. Like that. It, it's uh, so obviously I'm I'm a little south of it, but yeah. I think it was uh, so Sunday. I think it was 106 in San Ooh. Jose. Wow. And then on uh, yesterday, which would have been Monday, it, it got up to 102. Today's a little bit cooler. Um, it, it's it's actually not nearly as hot today, and I think it's cooling off for the rest of the week. So yeah, but it, but yeah, it was it was ridiculous. So yeah, I mean that could play partly into it. A little bit of warmer weather, and he's comfort comfortable right off the bat. You you know you get dropped into the season in March, April, um, and it's cold, and you're swinging at pitches you don't want to swing it. Then you start scuffling because um, a little bit cooler, and then you start to heat up with the weather. Eh, could play could play into it. So. Um I kind of want to look at the Giants hitting in comparison to the rest of the league. And we'll, we'll talk about uh, the Mariners in a second, and we'll talk about the Padres in a second. But the Giants are tied for fourth in all of baseball with 218 runs. So what's, interestingly, it's the Giants, the Padres, and the Dodgers who are... Um, they are... Uh, three out of the top four teams when it comes to runs scored. So all in the NL West, which me, which also means the Giants pitching is not fantastic because they're, as far as those stats are concerned, because the runs scored and the runs against are actually even. But just from a hitting perspective, third in baseball, in uh, in batting average, sixth in slugging, and sixth in on base. So, you know, sort of what we were talking about earlier, when th- there's probably less of, a, of an anxiety when they get behind teams in the past, you know, when they didn't have a ton of offense, they knew they had to dominate with the pitching. They knew they had to get ahead early. With this team, they probably stay pretty loose, even if they do get behind early, maybe because of that starting pitching, you know, that, that's not necessarily been 100% stellar, though it's been good if, at, at times, Gossman and, and, and Cueto. But they're not worried too much because they know that they can hit. They're confident that they're going to score runs. And I think that says something about this team now, the perfect of all perfect is if you have great starting pitching and a good offense like the Dodgers, then you don't have to worry about anything. But, you know, for this team, I do think there's something to the fact that they don't really worry about getting behind because they know they're going to score. Well, yeah. And the other thing too is, you know, I was, I was looking at the Giants are talking about stats here and, and they're 13th in the league in home run. So they're getting towards that middle of the pack, but you know, how are they up there in runs? How they, are they up there in average and everything else? But of course their home runs are down in you know, that ballpark, although it's playing a lot smaller mm-hmm. this season. Um, but they're getting those extra base hits. They're sixth in the league in doubles and there they are second in the league in triples because of triples alley. That helps out quite a bit. Um, back-to-back triples the other night to score a run. Um, so the, so they're, they're still getting the extra base hits, even though they're not necessarily getting the home runs. But yeah, a few years back, I think you and I had talked about it too. Um, when when you're not scoring runs uh, and you've 
and you've got to be really fine yeah. when you're on the mound. You can't miss spots because you can't give up a three-run jack when you look at your offense and say, now these guys can't come back from a three-run deficit. So so like you said, they taking a little more chances on the mound, um, giving up a little bit more runs. And this is streaky starting pitching. I mean, we've seen that all year long. We'll, we'll go on a stretch here where, where the starting pitchers will give up, you know, one to two runs a game. And then all of a sudden they're giving up four or five runs in three innings um, and then going right to the bullpen. But again, I, I, it seems like, a, you know, like I had talked about, kind of seems like Kapler's gotten out of his way when it comes to the bullpen. Um, starting to learn these guys too. I don't know if it's necessarily getting out of his own way. I thought that you know, right after the got issues. Um, but, but I think he's just starting to learn these guys a little better, a little bit better and, and know who can handle what types of situations. So I took a look at the Mariners. I wanted to see if they were actually a team that is on the rise because they've won six games in a row. And I think, I mean, obviously they're hot, but I think it's a little bit of smoke and mirrors because, uh, they've won six games in a row, but, it has been sort of sandwiched between the games against the A's, got postponed. Yep. They swept the Rangers, who, let me look at records-wise, but they're one of the worst teams in baseball. They're 13-27. and 27. Um, So only the... Actually, no, they are, they are worse than the Pirates. I thought the Pirates are the worst team in baseball. So they're the worst team in baseball. And previously, in the, the series before, they took... Um, I think they took a couple games from the Angels, who are kind of sitting, you know, sitting in the same area as as they are. So um, after they lost the first two against Angels, and then they won two. So they've won six in a row. It's been sort of a, a a little bit of a flawed six in a row. But then if you look a little bit more, their pitching is not great, um, and their batting is, you know, in the in the back end of, of all of baseball. So to me. They're a little bit of a uh, of a paper tiger, but the other thing is is that you know when you have these weird two game series, uh, you don't you know you 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 just need to play a good game and and you split the series. So I don't want to I don't want to overlook them, <laughs> but if this is a, but but if you're the Giants and you look at an opportunity and go okay, how can we really make a dent here? I feel like you got to win both of these games against the Mariners. Well, I think you do, and mainly because you're at home. Mm-hmm. I mean, you've got two games at home against the Mariners. Uh, like you said, they're coming in. They're they're uh, you know, is it a fake six game winning streak? Yeah, I mean, it's not. I, you got to win six games to, to win six games in a row in Major League Baseball. You still have to be good. Yeah. You're, you're going to get some breaks, but you you got to. I mean. You got to be a good baseball team. They're a good baseball team. Kyle Lewis is absolutely no joke. I mean, the guy's hitting 310 with nine home runs. He's just tearing it apart. Other than that, up and down their lineup, you know, you've got you've got some punchy hitters, some 280 hitters, some 290 hitters. Um, you don't have anybody who's really tearing the cover off the ball, other than Kyle Lewis. I mean, Seager's up there. He's he's always going to be a little bit of a threat. Um, he's also extremely streaky, as we've seen over the years. Um, Vogelbach, um, I don't even know if he's actually with the team anymore. I've got to look at that real quick. Um, yeah, he's still with the team. Um, but 
you know, either way, they've, they've got to shut him down with pitching. Um, they don't have a, a tremendous lineup to get through. Um, but uh, basically, the Giants hitters have to just keep doing what they're doing. If they keep doing what they're doing, then they can take these two games, no problem. And the other reason why you want them to take these two games is because then you have a four-game set with maybe the hottest team in, in baseball, in, in the Padres. And I, I was kind of looking at, you know, I, I wanted to see the Padres because... Obviously, we, we see a lot of Tatis and just, you know, their uh, young young team who's kind of overachieving. But man, like they are really playing awesome baseball. The Dodgers, you know, that terrible, those terrible guys, they, they are clearly, <laughs> you know, head, head and shoulders above everybody else when it comes to the regular season. The Dodgers are 30 and 12 with a plus 98 run differential. The only... The, the second highest run differential to the Dodgers plus 98 is the Padres at plus 54. <laughs> and the, the Indians are also at plus 54. White Sox are at plus 53. So it's just like, you know, the Giants have the two best, two of the probably three or four best teams in all of baseball right now in the division of head, ahead of them. So they're not going to be able to get to that second spot more than likely. I mean, you know, if they sweep the Padres, they, they could do it. They could get really close, but that's probably not happening because the Padres are so good. But this is a team where if they, this is a little bit of a test. The The Padres historically have been a little bit of, of uh, you know, Giants little brother in a sense where when you go to San Diego, it's like mostly Giants fans. But at, at this is a great opportunity to sort of test their metal. It's like, okay, are we real or are we not? Because this team is really good. And it, you you can even overlook some of the like the Tatis having like 15 home runs like that's kind of like a, an outlier. But even even though there are stuff that in their numbers that prove their 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 value, so uh, I, I do think if they beat the Mariners two games and they come out of that Padres series with a split, that's a successful week for them, and that would be amazing. Yeah, I'm with you on that, and 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 I don't I don't like to look too far ahead, but you really have to kind of look at the rest of the schedule since there's only 18 games left and the Giants are battling for that last playoff spot. 10 of the last 18 games are against the Padres and A's. Yeah. Tough. So that that's a that's a really tall order right there for this Giants club. Um, this this week didn't we say this a couple weeks ago? This week <laughs> is the defining <laughs> week for the 2020 Gabe Kapler, San Francisco Giants. I mean, this this is a tough week. You've got a team that you should beat twice. Uh, they're going to play you tough because they're on a win streak with the Mariners. And then you've got that team in the Padres. Like you said, you're looking up at them in the standings. Um, it, can I throw out here real quick the, the playoff um, – the playoff odds updated. Yes. I, I'm going to say, so, so last week we talked about this last, last episode, Th the giants were, uh, when last time we talked 39.6%, um, odds of making the playoffs. Mm -hmm. Now they're up to 57.4% with a four and two week. Can you imagine what a six and a week would have done? Yeah. Um, second place, six in a week puts them like two and a half games behind the Padres. Exactly. And, and so having a four and two week and the Padres as hot as they are, 
to come in second place, that barely budged. They went from a 5.7% chance to make uh, to finish in second place to 6.7%. So mm-hmm. they only went up 1%. Uh, but, but, but tackling that wild card, they went from 33.9% odds to 50.7%. So, um, you know, they kind of jumped up with a good week. And that, that's what the rest of this could do and can do for confidence too. I mean, you know, look at stone cold numbers here. Um, but you know, that's what major league baseball is apparently about now. Mm -hmm. It's stone cold numbers and percentages, but you know, you get, you get a team, you get a giants team this week. That's still hot, uh, cooled down just a touch. They'll go, they'll go on a two game lose streak and they'll come back and get three or four games. Um, so this is that week. I mean, this this is really it, and, and it starts tonight with the Mariners. Not that this means anything, but the Giants have a better or are, are a half a game behind the New York Yankees, who I would have figured hmm. would have been you know upwards of of one of the top teams in their division. Now they're they're sitting pretty. Uh, I think they're sitting in the eighth spot in in the American League. But just to goes to show you that the, you know the Yankees have a ton of talent. They you know, Garrett Cole, who they spent $300 million on or, or whatever. And the Giants are playing up to where maybe the Yankees are playing down. But still, you know, just in this wonky season of 60 games, you just got to get hot a couple times and you can and you can do it. And the Giants have been, you know, they had uh, the, the, the winning streaks and now they're on another one. They're on a three game winning streak now. So if you can pile up some of those three and four and five game winning streaks, you're going to make noise. And, and I think that's, that's how they got out of the eight and 16 is they, they, they got some wins back to back. They got some wins in bunches and now you look and, you know, pretty decently, but like you said, the, the schedule does not, um, does not look great for them. If the A's continue to play really good baseball, if the Padres continue to play really good baseball, they're going to have to beat up on, on the Mariners. And I don't know, I will not be happy if they do not sweep both games. Cause I, I feel like if they don't, then, then you're just kind of leaving yourself out there to, to get beat up a, a little bit after. Well, and where are you mentally after that too? If you don't take both these games and let's say they lose both of these games, they've got the, they've got the uh, Padres for four, then they've got a day off. Then they got to go to Seattle and play two up there. So that's the thing is, I mean, this is a confidence builder. These two games right here, take these two games, go to the Padres, let what happens happens. And then you've got the Mariners again for two. Then you've got the A's. So, I mean, I'm getting ahead of myself, but the, you know, the giants, not this week, but the following week, they've got two more days off and then that's it for the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, it, hate to say it, but these are, <laughs> it's a really important two game set. Definitely. And, you know, we'll, we'll be watching this week and hopefully folks will be watching as well. And, We'll be tweeting on Thompson to Clark on Twitter. We'll be talking about it on Facebook, on our uh, on our Facebook group. I have a thread going on right now, which is the uh, ev- after every game, I update the uh, wild card standings, and, and you know it's the, this is the part of the season that that we're in. Uh, what are we at? Eighteen games left. So. Eighteen games left, man. I mean, it's I feel like the season just started, and and as we're as we're recording this, hey. National Football League starts in two nights. Mm. So I mean, we're all of a sudden Too into much. that. This is my favorite time of year. Beginning of football season as a Rams fan. Uh, yeah, I've got hope right now. Everything mm. looks good. And then the Giants are fighting for a playoff spot. So this is always a fun time of year, you know? Yeah, the the, the hard ones for me were football Sunday. And then all of a sudden, Giants, like, 
must win game <laughs> and you're trying to figure okay what do i watch how do i stay off of one how do i not get spoiled am i flipping back and forth like what's the move but i think um you know we we may have that at some point if the giants oh, yeah. stick around and, and continue playing well well and the funny thing is when the rams were in uh St. Louis, I didn't have that problem because all of our games were at 10 o'clock in the morning. So I'd finish our game at one and flip right over the Giants and I get to, so I back to back games. But now with the Rams back on the, on the West coast in LA, it's yeah, I've got the split screens going. I don't know how many, you know, Sundays. (laughs) All right. Let's talk about our Giants all time tournament. We're trying to find the greatest Giants team uh, of of the San Francisco era. And in this matchup, we have the 2002 San Francisco Giants against the 1993 San Francisco Giants, which are, which are both teams that are near and dear to our hearts because, you know, we were watching all the games during both of those seasons. Yeah, this was a fun matchup. And I thought, I, I really thought it was going to be more of a powerful matchup and it ended up being there was a lot of power um but again with with out of the park baseball pitching does come into play quite a bit as i've noticed um the 1993 team um we thought here's our dark horse that's going to probably roll itself right into the finals um and they started off game one with a nice victory, a nice tight victory, uh, four to one. A little Billy um, Swift action. Billy Swift and Jason Schmidt, two of our all-time favorite starting pitchers mm-hmm. going at it. Rod Beck got the save for the 93 team. But that was it. <laughs> Dude, in 2002, woke up. The next game was a, a, a squeaky little one nothing win in 15 innings. Um uh, Reggie Sanders hit the hit the walk off home run, uh, so that was a one nothing win for the 2002 team. Uh, then the next game three 2002 won 10 to seven in true 2002 oh, yeah. 1993 fashion right there high scoring affair. Rob Nen still got the the save in that game. Uh, then the next game uh, tight four to two win. And then in game five, as most of our series have only gone gone game uh, five games, smoked them. Uh, smoked them. It was nine to one. I mean, Reggie Sanders got the MVP for the series, um, and that's a, that's a name when you throw out Reggie Sanders. A lot of guys go, oh, "Man, did we have him?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, two thousand two. He was on that World Series team. He was on the World Series roster. He played in the World Series almost every game. Um, for this simulation, he hit 364 in five games, had three home runs, only drove in four runs, but all three of his home runs seemed to count. Um, and, and the pitching was just, you know, Billy Swift, 3.65 ERA in two games. Uh, and, and then on the other side, Jason Schmidt had his two starts, 15 and two thirds innings, and he had a 2.87 ERA with 15 Ks had that, had that one, victory um and and really could have won the first game of the series too he pitched so well but it, this could have been a, a sweep for the 2002 team so the the interesting game to me is game two because it went um did it go what 10 how many how many innings did it that, go? that one i believe w- was the 15 inning game. oh my god okay so yeah, yeah. 15 15 innings one let to me, nothing let me double check my box here and 
So you had Russ Ortiz start for 2002 against John Burkett. And if you kind of like put them next to each other, as far as who they were for those teams, they're kind of a similar person. They were workhorses. They were consistent. Mm -hmm. I think most felt that Russ Ortiz probably had a little bit more if uh, you know, if a couple things swing a different couple different ways, he could have been a, a much more of a of a star starting pitcher for them. And you know, Burkett was a, was just that magical year. That ninety three year was so magical for him. But both of them go eight innings. Burkett gives up four hits. Russ gives up six hits. Uh, both both uh, Russ six strikeouts. Burkett four strikeouts. I think that I think the difference here is uh, Dusty didn't give Russ the ball. <laughs> On the mound, so they didn't get their bullpen didn't get lit up, uh, but well, but I, I like that matchup because like those guys are the perfect matchups between these two teams. I want to see Russ against Burkett. That's the matchup I want to watch. Yeah, exactly. And and you know what? The, I think the problem with the '93 team, and we knew it as fans back in '93, it was you know it was Swift, it was Burkett, and then after that it was kind of like ah, uh, you know let's let's see who we've got. Well, you know that Buddy Black. Uh, Trevor Wilson. So you never really had that number three guy that was strong. I, I believe that's the year that, yeah, they traded for Jim Deshays. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had a couple of starts. I didn't put him in the rotation uh, for the 93 team for the World Series or for, the, for this series because uh, I just kind of, what I usually do is look to see, well, who was your main starter most mm-hmm. of the season? Um, is that wrong? I don't know. I mean, you know, we love Trevor Wilson. We love Black. So, so we're going to start those guys over Jim Deshays, who's a you know a castaway from the Houston Astros. Yeah. We don't we don't want the you know that guy on our team. But you know he was there the the last part of the season. So, had the Giants in '93 gotten into the playoffs, I, you know I really wonder what that rotation would have looked like. Not good is what it would have looked like. <laughs> no, well, because I mean I mean what 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 happens is, I mean Dusty showed it right Solomon Torres like he ro- uh, he rolled yeah, him out that, there yeah, 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 yeah. on that game and yeah r- rough look for my guy I don't know if it was out of spite or, or what but I just left Solomon Torres completely off of the, <laughs> off of the roster <laughs> so I apologize to Solomon Torres and any Solomon Torres fans out there yeah r- poor poor guy like I <laughs> Yeah, I I don't know. You know, if you run his career back a couple different times and he doesn't have to start that game against the Dodgers and get smoked, does he actually become something? I don't know. Maybe, maybe maybe not. He always showed a little something, a little spark. But yeah, that that's hard to say because one game could completely destroy a guy. I mean, just the confidence, right? He yeah, he probably felt like he let the entire team down, and he wasn't even with the big club for that much. No, and another guy I left off the 2002 roster is the carbon copy of Solomon Torres, and that's Jerome Williams. Mm. I mean, remember him? Yeah, puka shells. <laughs> I, mean, I always, whenever you know, whenever uh, Jerome Williams would pitch, I'd always think of Solomon Torres. Uh-huh. Like, this guy can be something, man. But just what? What is he missing? Yeah. What is not there? Yeah, no, I, I think I think that's a good comparison. Um, so our two thousand and two World Series losers, I, I like to call them almost winners. Um, yeah, yeah. They they move on. So what is the next matchup for this tournament? Well, the next matchup, before we get to that, this was the, the, the first, first round matchup 
that then got us a full second round matchup. So now we're starting to get second round matchups put together. So the 2002 World Series loser, number five seed in our tournament, will now move on to play the 1965-95 win team, the 13 seed, that upset the 62 World Series loser. So that's that's our first full second round matchup. Um, so now our, our next first round matchup that we're still working on here, here's another fun one for all you oldies like us. This is the number six seed, the 1989 World Series loser uh, will be taking on the 1997 NLDS mm. losers. Uh, so 89 against 97. Bonds has another shot here to move on, so we could have another Bonds team in here. Yeah, this was or, this was Bonds versus Bonds with 93 and 2002. 2002 Bonds yeah. did quite a bit better than 93 he, Bonds. He did. He tore the cover off the ball. Uh, this one, we're going to get... This This will be another chance for the uh, Will Clark-led team. Um, this is actually the first true Will Clark-led team, because that 93 team... <laughs> Bond's first year, everybody loved the guy. He hit what forty six home runs that year. Um, I was at opening day at Candlestick. Is that Park. against the Marlins? Yes, where he hit a three run shot. The only time I've ever seen the Grateful Dead live. Oh wow! They sang the national anthem, so that was pretty awesome. Jerry Garcia got to sing the national anthem with his boys, um, so that was really cool. And and so this is the first like Will Clark led team that we're getting to in the tournament. We do have another one in '87, but we'll get to that later. Um, so this is a, a Will Clark led team against a Bonds led team. So this will be this will be a fun matchup too. Those uh, the '89 team. I would say in my lifetime. So, and I don't really consider uh, adulthood the same as I do childhood <laughs> because you just look at it with different eyes. Oh, for sure. But we don't have much else going on. Here, kid. <laughs> but Giants baseball, yeah, right? I, I mean, I'm so much cards. Giants baseball. <laughs> 87, 89, and 93 were the, th- the teams of my childhood into teenage years, right? Like, I, I was still, I will still say, the 86 team is probably my favorite team of all time because mm-hmm. the, that's when all the young guys were coming up. But yeah, 87, 89, 93. I don't think Giants baseball meant as much to me as a human being as it did during those three seasons. I think you're right. And and it's funny you bring up 86 because, you know, I, just being a Giants fan, listening to games in 85, being at my grand, grandparents' house and you know, 83, 84, watching some of those games on TV and just like, man, these guys stink. <laughs> and then, and then 87 or 86, that excitement of like, oh, this is what it's like to be a baseball fan of a team that can win games. Um, and then I remember, I, I, I want to say I was seventh grade in 86, somewhere around there. But, uh, but that World Series in 86 between the Mets and the Red Sox mm-hmm. kind of just got me excited for, oh, so maybe next year we can experience something like that. Yeah. Because that was a, a tremendous World Series. It was so much fun back and forth. I remember my seventh grade teacher was so into that series. She was from the East Coast and she was a Red Sox fan. So she was so into that series. That after each game that the Red Sox won, you'd walk in in the morning and the score would be up on the 
on the chalkboard. She would have the the full box. I mean, she would write it out herself because um, this was you know 1986. So so it got me even more excited that ooh next year, you know this could be this whole area that I live in could be this excited about uh, about Giants baseball. Yeah 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 no those those were great. Those are great memories, and I'm glad that we're sort of revisiting them with with this tournament. Kind of kind of takes me back to meet a kid, which is cool. <laughs> um, okay, so one last thing, which I forgot to ask you about, it was on my list, and I just it just kind of went over my head. Um, we saw Madison Bumgarner on the other side mm, this weekend. Yeah. What did you th- like? Did you get weird feelings? What did you think? I to me. I watched him and I was like, okay, this is not the same guy. Like, I'm kind of sad right now because I wanted to see Bumgarner at his, you know, a, a really good version of Bumgarner. Now he's he's coming off injury. He's not 100%. They're really bringing him back slowly. So that's cool. That I get that. But I wanted to see, like, the amped up snot rocket, like, you know. <laughs> I did see a snot rocket. Well, but he's only throwing 89, 88 oh, miles an hour. It It's rough to see because... I can't, I, I honestly don't remember a time where we saw a Giants legend, you know, and, and come back to the, come back to, to San Francisco. I mean, we saw Will Clark come back with the Rangers. Um, it's a little different because he didn't win World Series with the Giants. He wasn't an MVP in the World Series for the Giants. Um, so, so it's different. So this was the first time I have to say that w- that we saw a legend mm-hmm. come back, a Giants legend come back, and to see him in that shell of a form. Um, you know, he didn't pitch horribly. No, he was okay. Yeah, he was okay. I mean, he did give up the the, the two bombs. I mean, they were huge bombs. <laughs> um, you know, he's missing the strike zone badly. Um, I don't know. He's he's a fiery guy. I think you probably have to just write the season off for him. Um, if there's any fuel left in the tank, it will be ignited in this off season. We may see a completely different Bumgarner next year. If we see the same thing coming out from the start, um, I'm going to say, you know, thank you, Zaidi, for not signing him at this point. Yeah, I mean, that's a lot. Of, that's a lot of jack that they signed him for to get this type of performance. Yeah. Now, just because I'm a fan of his, and I got to, I've got to see him pitch a, a, a lot of really fun games. I do hope that he has a much better next year. Th- this is a funky year for everybody, right? So, for someone who's who's so much a product of consistency and how and how he sort of lives his life, this probably threw a wrench uh, in, into his whole, uh, you know the the pre season and how he gets in shape and how he sort of I, I know he's got a lot of other stuff the rodeo stuff and the all that <laughs> stuff like that that like I'm sure he couldn't do all of that stuff as well so you know maybe throws a little bit of a wrench into his progress but I do hope that he has a, a couple of good years uh, left now against us I, I I don't want him to beat us or anything but my one <laughs> one of my, one of my one of my goals of when we get out of this quarantine is to go to Chase and go see Bumgarner pitch against the Giants because I've never been to Chase. Yeah, and um, you know my kids are out there because that's you know they go to school out in Arizona, so that'll that'll be something where you know I'll probably grab my dad and we'll just make a drive out to out to Phoenix to watch them. And I want to see Bumgarner against the Giants while I'm wearing my Giants jersey out there in Arizona <laughs> land. 
that that would be awesome. My my parents have been to a couple games at Chase, and they said it, it's pretty much the same thing when the Giants are there um, that it is in San Diego. It's just massive amounts of Giants. Well, that's cool. Uh, Even better. Oh yeah, I've got a buddy down there, and and you probably remember him, uh, Robert Weiner, who uh-huh, used to be uh-huh. on uh, yeah. KSJ. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was the sports director when I first started at KSJS. Um, he lives down there, and he goes to as many Giants games as he can, and it's just you know crazy with Giants fans. But but with Bumgarner, like like I've said from the beginning, since the the Diamondbacks signed him, I I wish him nothing but the best. We love him. Uh, I I I just want to see him go. Owen 21 <laughs> with, with a 1.25 ERA. Uh, that, I mean, pitch awesome, but you're not with us, so lose every game. I, you know, that doesn't matter to me, wins or losses. Just lose them all, but pitch really well. Awesome. All right. So uh, that, that'll do it for here. And hopefully, when we come back next week, it'll be in a winning week. Um, and, and we'll have shocked those upstart young San Diego Padres. But uh, yeah, so I just want to restate this. If you want to follow us on social media, at Thompson to Clark on Twitter, at Thompson to Clark on Facebook, both on the page and the group. But come join the group. The group is so much fun. And like I said, we're going to do more giveaways and just have really positive Giants conversation. So definitely check us out. So thanks to Brad. I am Double G. We will see you when we see you. Peace. Peace.